Hey, come on, church, put your hands together. Let's welcome everybody joining us at every single location in Cortland, Corning, Binghamton, and Ithaca. And then we want to say hello to everybody. There's, there's people joining us in rooms all over the place online. Can we give them a great big round of applause? And hey, just, just click a link, let us know that you're there. And then uh, take a second, fill out that online guest welcome card. And we want you to know that we love you, we care about you. And for everyone, I am praying for you, and I'm believing God's best for your life. Well, today we are in week number two of our series entitled All That Matters. I'm going to have the ushers come at every location now. If you didn't get message notes, you just slip your hand up. They're going to come right to the front of the room, and they're just going to make sure that you get notes. It's going to be uh, really good teaching today, and I want to make sure everybody has something to write down on and keep track with, uh, because right now we are focused on our ultimate purpose as individuals and as a church. In this season right now, we believe that God wants us to take everyone on a journey. In fact, that's our whole role as a church, but we've been from the very beginning of the church, we've been helping people walk on a spiritual journey and we're helping people to know God. I want every single person to have an intimate relationship with Jesus. That's what the Bible says, that, that every one of us, when we get to in the relationship with Jesus, we're restored to God. And then what we need to do is find freedom. We all have some yesterdays that we need to settle. And then we want to help you to discover your purpose. And then number four, the ultimate reason for your life and for this journey is that you make a difference with your life. In fact, we like to say it this way, the ultimate purpose of my life is to make a difference. And, and so here we are in this fall season as we're heading in the holidays, we wanna focus on others. And, and so that's what we believe life is really about. It's not about you, everybody say, it's not about me. It can feel like it is when things are going wrong and things aren't going the right way. People will tell you, you got to do you. You got you to look out for number one. And in fact, there's something inside of us that pushes in that direction. But we need to flip that around in this season. And we need to make sure just over the next, in these couple of weeks in this series, that we're all about doing what God wants us to do, living into our purpose. And so last week we shared about what the more is for. If you haven't had a chance to see that, I want you to jump online, go to tworivers.church, and you can click on past messages, and you can catch up to that. We talked about why we are blessed. What does blessing mean? It means that we have more than enough, that every single person has more than enough. That's what blessing means. And that more that's in our life, whether it's in your marriage, in your time, in your talents, in your money, all of that is God's purpose. God has actually given us a responsibility that when you have talents and treasures, you have a responsibility to do with it, to take care of others. And, and so uh, we learned out of Galatians chapter 3, verse 14. I want you to go there right now, turn in your Bibles to that passage. 
And then if we have kids at any location that are, uh, you, we have a great kids program. And so you could take advantage of that at any time while everyone's turning to Galatians chapter 3, verse 14. It says this, he redeemed us in order that the blessing, everyone say blessing. blessing. Come on, everybody say blessing. blessing. That the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. What that means is that Abraham's blessing, if you believe in Jesus, you've been bought by Jesus, is actually transferred to your life so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. So what is this Abraham's blessing? Genesis chapter 24 verse 1 says it like this. Abraham was now very old and the Lord had blessed him in in how many ways? In every way. He was blessed in every single way. So one of the things that we talked about last week was material blessings. When God gives us material blessings, we have material abundance. That's one of the ways that we're blessed. But I want you to know that it doesn't end there. We're, we're called to share and we're called to, to give to others what we have in abundance and overflow. But... There's more in our lives than material blessings. And so Jesus came to restore us, not only that we would experience material blessings, but physical blessings. That Jesus actually restores physical health. He, he brings healing. Jesus went and he healed everyone wherever he went. And then there's spiritual blessings. It's blessings of your inner personality. And, and there's peace. And so, so there's blessings in every area of your life. But the greatest blessing, if you go back to Galatians chapter 3, verse 14, says he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So you need to know this. We are spirit people. That the greatest blessing in our lives is actually God in us. That God made his dwelling at one point in the temple, but when Jesus came, the veil of the temple was torn in two, and it symbolized now that God is with us. And Jesus said, it's good that I go away, because if I go away, I'm going to send somebody. I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send a counselor. Another way of, of translating that, and probably the most accurate way, is the advocate or helper. That there's a helper for my life, and the Holy Spirit is the key. So the, the reason why the promise of the Holy Spirit is singled out is because the Holy Spirit is the key and the source of all the other blessings in our lives. The Holy Spirit is the one who administers the total inheritance and makes it available to us. In fact, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit as the down payment of God in our life. It is the seal there's actually a visit, like when we think of seal, we think of it like being completely covered and you can't get access to it. But the seal in that scripture is actually talking about when you, when you would have a letter, they would take some wax, they would take the letter, they would roll it all up, and they would put a, a wax 
melt the wax on it, and then impress a mark on it. And it might be Caesar's mark. And it would, it would let everyone know that what's in there has authority. That what's in there belongs to, if it was Caesar, it's a message from Caesar. And, and that was carrying the authority of Caesar. And if you look at that in your own life, that means that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. That there's a mark on our life that actually says that we have authority and that we, the authority of God is placed in us and we carry God with us. And, and so, number two, the Holy Spirit seeks nothing for himself. His aim is to glorify the Father and the Son. So the Holy Spirit in our lives will help us to decrease while God increases. Number three of what the Holy Spirit does in our life is the, it's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to find the bride or the church for the Son. It's actually the Holy Spirit that draws all men. It's the Holy Spirit that leads us to Jesus. The Holy Spirit, number four, comes with gifts and empowerment so that we can serve others. So the Holy Spirit's role in our life is to equip us, to empower us. And then number five, he presents us the choice concerning Jesus. Our decision at that point, like the Holy Spirit gets us to the opportunity to respond freely to the offer of Jesus Christ. And then your decision on that free offer settles your destiny for eternity, for all of time. And so the Holy Spirit is our source, and when we come to Christ, he's the, our source of direct information about God. That Jesus said that through the Holy Spirit, we would receive all truth. That there's no truth that we could perceive outside of the Holy Spirit. He must reveal the Father and the Son to us. And the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us into fellowship with Jesus. So here's what is remarkable about this. This same Holy Spirit that you and I have, we're spirit people. Everybody say, I'm a spirit person. I'm a spirit person. Look at your neighbor, tell them, you a spirit person. Now look at the other person that you didn't talk to just now and say, I, you need some church. You, you, look like you, you, you look like you could use some Holy Spirit. And so here's, here's what it says in Acts chapter 10. Peter, in fact, this is the moment in history, probably the greatest moment in your life happened all the way back in this moment when Peter crosses the threshold into a Gentile's home in Acts chapter 10. You and I would not be here right now if it hadn't been for Peter in that moment back then. In Acts chapter 10, Peter goes to Cornelius, who's a Roman centurion, who's a God-fearer, and he begins to share about Jesus. And as Peter is describing the life of Jesus in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, he's talking and he, and he says, and you know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? With the? Come on, with the? One more time, y'all. With the? Oh, now we're getting it. With the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good in healing all who were under the power of the devil. 
because God was with him. Now, I think there's a few things in here that we could overlook if we're not careful to just slow it down a little bit. Because one of the things that I hear all the time and it's emphasized to us well is that we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. That if we're going to think about all that matters and we're going to think about doing good to others, most of the time what we think about doing is material good. We're going to go do good. I'm a, I'm a, as a church, we're a good church. Why? Because we do a food pantry. We're a good church. Why? Well, we, we got out and we, we had a clothing distribution day. Now, certainly all of these things are commanded. But that is not the entire description of Jesus' ministry. And as spirit people, you and I are called to go beyond just doing material blessings for others. Then you and I are actually called to do this next part, healing all who are under the power of the devil. And, and so I want you to just write this down in your notes. Number one, we are agents in a supernatural conflict. That there's actually two kingdoms at play. And you see that in, in this scripture that there are people that are under the power of the devil. The devil actually has power and that's exercised in our world today. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 it says it like this this is about Jesus for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 say it like this as for you you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That there's a ruler in the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Verse 3 says, all of us, say me. That's right, I. All of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. In other words, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, we, dis we discover that our disobedience, every one of us, our disobedience automatically exposed us to the dominion and the influence of Satan. That we gave Satan legal right and permission into our lives based on our disobedience of God. In fact, every single person, all of us, gave legal right and access, and we came under the dominion of the spirit of the air. In fact, what we have to understand is that if we've come out from under that, God ransomed us. That actually we were under bondage, in slavery, the Bible says, to Satan. And Jesus' precious blood was shed on the cross because God traded his sinless, perfect son as a ransom. That actually we were purchased, the word is redeemed, out of slavery. That we were actually under slavery too and owned by the devil. 
And there's a spiritual dominion, there's spiritual forces of darkness that we were all redeemed out of. In that when you called on Jesus, there was a transaction that took place and you were redeemed. That Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was a substitutionary atonement and you are no longer owned by the enemy, you are owned by God. And that when he owns you, he, he gives you into freedom, he gives you into life, he gives you into wholeness and health. He don't reign in tyranny over our lives. And, and that was the universal condition of everyone prior to Jesus. And so Satan does have power. And in fact, in Acts chapter 26, when you, you hear Paul talking about how he was called by God, he was on his donkey, he was on his way to Damascus, he was getting ready to persecute people. And what happens in Acts 26 verse 18, or verse 17, it says, I'm sending you to them, is what Jesus tells Paul. In verse 18, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. There is a cosmic conflict taking place. You and I are agents in that conflict so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So you and I are sent to turn people from darkness to light. We're sent to turn people from the power of Satan to the power of God in order for them to receive forgiveness so that they could be ransomed, so they could be redeemed, so they could be bought out. So we're doing more than material servanthood. We're doing more. If we're talking about all that matters, there's some things in our lives that I want us to wake up to. Because by nature, we are called to minister to all aspects of our other people's lives material physical and spiritual and so i'm gonna give you three tips to serve others in this battle letter a tip number one pray for people just fill that in write that down on 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 your card this is a supernatural conflict and as a church oftentimes i get it we don't like to pray Prayer isn't like, oh, I don't know if I feel that great about prayer all the time. How many people, you just say, look, I'm not super keen on praying. I'm not like, come on. Oh, everyone here is a big time prayer. Put your hands up. Shun the devil. Y'all know. Don't lie. I know. We're going to do, do some ministry right now. And, and so here's what, here's what Paul says about prayer. Well, you and I need to know about why prayer is so important. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored. In other words, he's saying, I, I want you to pray because when you pray, more people get saved. More people respond. More people come out of darkness into light. Now, it's going to mess with your theology because if, you if you've been in the church for too long, your, people are like, well, God is sovereign. God moves and does. And let me just tell you something. God has chosen in his sovereignty to allow us the opportunity to move things in a supernatural realm through prayer. There's some things that just ain't going to move until you pray. There's some things that don't happen until we pray. 
There's some things that we'll never see happen. There's some abundance that we'll never see happen until we pray. And so Paul is encouraging us to pray. And then letter B, just fill in this blank, talk to people about what Jesus did for you. Like if if there's a supernatural conflict and people don't know God, this is super duper practical. You want to minister to people. It sounds way easier for me to do an act of kindness. I'm going to buy you a lunch and I'm going to pay for your food over there. But don't you ever believe I'm going to ever talk to anybody about Jesus. That's taking it way too far. And we got to, we got to, at some point, you got to open your mouth and you got to share what Jesus, I got Jesus in me. This is what Jesus did for me. Look, you don't need to know all the Bible. You don't need to know all these scripture verses. In fact, you will probably turn people off. You will, you'll sound, if you just, just share the story of what God did in your life. Because no one can argue with what God did in you. And then, and then let her see, invite and bring people to church. If we're in this great conflict and there's strongholds, this is our stronghold. Like right now, if you get a friend, you get your friend in here, if, you're, if you know you want to do some battle, guess what? I want to bring them into my stronghold. I want to bring them into the place where I know we got people praying all around. I know we got people showing up at prayer one. We got people who are serving in ways and and operating. We got altar teams. We got people on the worship team. We got all this stuff going on so that the conflict, the darkness can be revealed. And so we invite people and we bring them to church. And this is why you will see a higher rate of return on inviting people to church and then them giving their lives to Jesus than you will in any other context. And, and so we just do that. So, so I want to move, like, number two, we are supernatural people. So we're in a supernatural battle. You got to have some supernatural awareness. Like, we are supernatural. And this is something like, hold on, Pastor you might be supernatural. Jesus might be supernatural. But you don't know what I was doing yesterday. You don't know where I was. You don't know how tangled my life up is. You, you don't know. I've never prayed and seen a miracle happen. I've never had. Listen, you're a supernatural person. You have the spirit of the living God that dwells in you. You were made for this. That God actually created you and deposited his Holy Spirit in you. And if you're not aware of it and you're not awake to it, I want to invite you into it to understand it. That the grace of God covers your life. That the seal or the down payment of the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation, you've been given gifts. You've been given the Holy Spirit. That the Spirit of God dwells in you and that you are a supernatural person. The supernatural is natural to us. Now, here's the thing. Some people are like, I don't know if I want all this supernatural stuff. Because if you've been around, like for me, I, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. There's some weirdness about it. 
And I'll just tell you, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, when the people who weren't part of that outpouring saw it, they said, these guys are drunk. And I'll tell you, I, I haven't seen anything more unusual in church than I've seen in a bar. I have no shame when I was running from God, rocking and rolling in a bar, getting all jacked up, getting all sloppy. How many know what I'm talking about? If you don't know, God bless you. But don't get all twisted the moment we get in church. Because all of a sudden we have this orientation that says, hold on a minute now. This is a Western orientation. You don't see it in the Word of God. You see, in a Western orientation, somebody said, you need to sit up real nice, fold your hands like this when you pray. Everybody be quiet. Don't anybody cry. Don't anybody shout. Don't anybody get a tambourine. And I'm still with that part. No tambourines. You're going to have to find another church. In the shofar, you got There's a small, we like to say there's a small group for that. We're going to put that in a small group somewhere. But look, it's, it, it's called supernatural for a reason. Because it's beyond the natural. So here's what I like to say. It's weird all by itself. I don't need to do anything to help it along. Right? So, so, so it doesn't give me permission to be weird just for the sake of being weird or socially incompetent. Because the point of the Holy Spirit's empowerment in my life is so I can be a witness. So I can point people to Jesus. I don't want people to give their attention to me. I, the Holy Spirit ain't interested in self-promotion. He's interested in Jesus' promotion. And so that's how we got to live our lives and how we've got to function. And so you're going to receive power in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then you're going to be my what? You're going to be my witnesses. It means you're going to have experienced something about Jesus. Now you're actually going to talk about something that's real and alive in your life. That there's a supernatural encounter, there's a supernatural reality that I am designed to operate in. You and I are actually designed for this. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 7, this is what you and I are designed for. Now to each one, who's going to get this? Each one. If you're in each one, just slip your hand up real sneaky like just next. I might be in each one. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. This is supposed to be a good thing. It's been sold like a bad thing. And I like to say about this that like, so my wife likes diamonds. She likes diamonds. How many ladies like the diamonds? How many of the guys like diamonds? Look, diamonds are sweet. And so if I was to give my wife a diamond, she would consider that to be a good gift. The problem is, if every time I gave her that gift, I slapped her across the face with it, she might not be eager to receive it from me. That's a good gift. I gave it to her in a really bad way. 
And so it behooves me to learn how to give the gift that I have that I want her to be blessed with. It behooves me to learn how to give it to her. In the same way, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is a good gift, and each one has been given gifts for the building up of the body for the common good. And and there's a way now for us to give the Holy Spirit, to give that supernatural gift to the people around us in a way that's actually received well. I just need to grow in it. I need to mature in it. And so here's, to one is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another, the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to who? To each one just as he determines. That God has a supernatural work in our lives. There's a blessing. There's a Holy Spirit anointing that Jesus carried. And Jesus went around doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil. And God actually wants us to go around walking in the supernatural, healing all those who are under the power of the devil. So this is part of our lives. We should overflow in the supernatural. The supernatural for us is natural. It's different, but it's natural. And so I'm going to give you four tips. I'm going to have the team come back for how to serve supernaturally. So letter A, be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You fill that in. Be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 verse 4 says, all of them... Every one of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So there's water baptism. That's one of the steps that we take after we are saved. We accept Jesus. Then one of the steps, Jesus said, look, it's, I got to go be baptized in water to fulfill all righteousness. But he says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is actually going to baptize us. So in water baptism, what happens is we go down in the water, and then we come up. We go down and get immersed. It actually means immersion. Spirit, it's, it's water immersion. And, and so here it actually means Holy Spirit immersion. And the picture always in the Bible is that the Holy Spirit comes down on us like Niagara Falls. That, that it's, I've been to Niagara Falls. My wife and I went down and we put the, all the galoshes and all the raincoats and we stood at the, uh, on the Maid of the Mist and all of those things. And we've been up close. And I'll tell you, it would be impossible to be under that waterfall for even a half a second and not be fully drenched. I mean, it's just coming like a deluge. And and that is the picture of the Holy Spirit baptizing us. That we're going to be immersed. And actually, the other picture of this, the Holy Spirit comes down, immerses us, and then out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. That what will happen is somewhere in, in the pit of your gut, 
Something will begin to rise up in, in a, the, it's again that water imagery that something will begin to overflow. And I do like this because what's happening is the imagery of that in Acts chapter 10, verse 45 and 46, it says, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And just for people to understand, when it says speaking in tongues and praising God, that's all connected together. It actually reveals the difference between the gift of tongues and the prayer language of tongues. See, there's a gift of tongues that you, you might speak out in a gift of tongues. And actually what's happening is that's God speaking to us. And then there would be an interpretation of that tongue. But the prayer language of tongues is us speaking to God as orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that when we're doing that, we're actually uttering praises to God. And that the language here in the Greek isn't that they were speaking in tongues and then other people were just praising God in the random. That the speaking in tongues was actually praise to God. And so the sign of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, according to the apostles, is that they heard them speaking in tongues. It was the sign to them that they were speaking. And that's how you, you want to know how to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? That's where it is. The Holy Spirit's the seal. That's the outer evidence of God's presence. It's just God at work. You're going to speak in tongues. And then letter B, their supernatural is enacted by faith. At some point, God will well up in you, but you have to speak it out. God's not going to force you to. By faith, you got to open your mouth and speak. It's the same way for every supernatural activity you'll ever do. You want to lay hands on somebody and see them healed? By faith. You access everything in the supernatural by faith. Because it's not you that's doing it. It's the Holy Spirit activated through you. And then let her see, the supernatural requires growth. You can mature up in it. That the use of the gifts, you're not, I, I see people flip and flop and turn and do all this other stuff. You don't have to do all that. It's okay if you do, but you can grow up in it. I love stories about like Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth is in an anointing and he's in, his, he's in his room and he's praying and other people come in and they just get knocked out, get knocked out. They can't stand up. They couldn't be in the presence of the Lord where Smith Wigglesworth was. And he's like, I don't know, it's no big deal for me. He grew in it. He had a tolerance. He had, a, he had his stuff operating in a way that he, he was functioning in it differently. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 39, it says this, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. In other words, what happens is Paul has just now got done correcting the church for all the ways the church was just going buck wild in the things of the Lord. The church was acting crazy. People couldn't understand what was going on. Everybody's speaking in tongues. It's total chaos. And Paul's saying, hold on, hold on. 
Everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. You can have supernatural. Supernatural is weird all by itself, but we can put some maturity into it. We could put some growth into it. We could understand who's in the room, who we're dealing with. I'm going to give that gift to you in a way that you're going to be eager for it. I can experience it because there is a, right now, there is a battle taking place. And there are people, I promise you, they don't need a good time. We got good time everywhere. You can go to the golf course and have a good time. You can go to the NFL and have a good time. I think church ought to be fun. But if you come to church and you don't have an encounter with Jesus, if you don't have this life-changing Holy Spirit encounter, I don't know why you would want to come back. Like I could have community, but if I don't have the power and the presence of Jesus in my life, setting me free, bringing me out of darkness into light, that we got to be a church where there's some supernatural activity going on. That God's given you a gift for the building up of the common good. That there's some things that if we're going to see this world, when I drive down the streets, my heart is broken. And so the test for this is does your gift, the way you're using the gift, pass the Starbucks test? Can you do it in line at Starbucks? Because if you would know, you, oh, I don't know if I'd be doing that the, the same way. If you're going to act all up in church but not do it that way in Starbucks, you're doing it wrong. Right? There you go. Does it, does it pass the Starbucks test? If I can't do that in Starbucks, I shouldn't be doing it in the church. And, and that's what needs to happen. So we got to shoot to be naturally supernatural. And, and then just write this down and then, then put your notes down. Give God a chance. Church, this is where it's at. This is where it's at. Give God a chance. We're surrounded by people that need Jesus. In conversation after conversation after conversation. And we're going to pray for them. We're going to share our story with them. We're going to invite them and bring them to church. But at some point, God's going to need you to lay hands on somebody and pray for them to be healed. At some point, God's going to call you to say, you know, I got a message from God. You take it for whatever way you want to take it, but this is what I believe the Lord is saying. We're going to have to open our mouth and function in a supernatural way. And I'll just tell you, church, I believe the time is short. I believe that we have a, a window of opportunity and I want us to not just be faithful and responsible with all of our material blessings. But we're not going to hide the light that Jesus put in us. We're not going to put it under a bushel. The Bible says, how can any city that's on a hill be hidden? Let all men see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That there is a moment where wherever Jesus went, people got healed. Wherever Jesus went, people got set free. Wherever Jesus went, the demons had to flee. Wherever Jesus went, the people that were in bondage got set free. Wherever Jesus went, the people that were overlooked got looked at. Wherever Jesus went, 
He took care of the poor. He took care of the naked. He took care of, and the world is waiting to see Jesus, and we have Jesus in us. That the Holy Spirit is teaching us how to be supernatural people, to reveal the presence and the life of Jesus Christ. So here in a few minutes, I'm going to pray a prayer for you, and then I'm going to kick it back to every community pastor. They're going to give you the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And then after that, church, there's going to be a respond moment where I believe that people are going to come all around the altars. And and what's happened is we have turned off the voice of the Lord in our life. We've turned off the ability to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. We don't even want to hear what the Holy Spirit's saying, but right now what's going to happen is you're going to go to the altars. You're going to repent. You're going to say, God, help me to hear your voice again. Help me to be a witness. Help me to be bold. Help me to share the message. And what's going to happen is God's going to fill you with his Holy Spirit. God's going to begin to sensitize you. God's going to begin to do supernatural things through your life. That there's an abundance and there's an overflow that's getting ready to happen inside of your spirit. That you're going to have some things that you didn't even know you could have. You're going to be challenged to do some things you weren't sure that you would ever do, but you know that you're going to give God a chance. I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to respond at every location. Jesus, I thank you right now that you did come and redeem me, that you're getting ready to redeem people at every location and online, that our hearts belong to you, that you've actually blessed us with overflow You've given us your Holy Spirit and we declare it that we are supernatural people. That we recognize that there are people around us who are under the power of darkness and we're given our lives so that they could be set free and discover the life that you've given us. God, I pray it now that you would empower us to be witnesses. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and move in our lives. We repent of our hard-heartedness. We repent of our eyes that have been closed. And God, we ask that you'd open them. We ask that you would come and expand our capacity, fill us one more time so that we could do the work you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen.